0: Welcome
1: to Ramble City. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ramble City. My name's Bradley McCaw. Thank you very much for lending me your ears for another episode. This is number 23. Wow, 23. We've, we're growing up so fast. Today's episode is um, is a country listening party. or or I guess a listening party. And we're gonna tell you more about today's guest and more about that very shortly. But first, why don't I just sort of tell you what's uh, what's happening for me? Well, this week we still are in Someone Like You land. The new single with Paulini is being played and listened to all over the world. I'm getting messages. Thank you to all of you that continue to send me messages from, from Japan and from Sweden and from Austria. You know, in a post-COVID world, um, I can't wait to come and share the song with you all. With me sitting at a piano, and uh, and you, each of you singing the Paulini part, um, male or female or person, you have to sing that part because I have to sing my part. Um, but what we've been doing this week and what's coming up uh, over the next little period is we're pref- we're 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 preparing a short film about making the song and the release of the song and. Uh, the press that we did tv we did and and things like that so um we'll be releasing that via my mailing list at com. so if you want to see that you have to be a part of the mailing list we're not going to put it anywhere else it's only for all you all you true fans that are part of the mailing list excited to share that with you but um but let's get to today's chat let's introduce today's guest Today's guest is the one and only Adam Harvey. He's sold over a half a million records. He's been nominated five times for an ARIA Music Award. That's the Australian equivalent of the Grammys. He's won eight Golden Guitars at the Country Music Awards of Australia. And this year he is hosting Australian Country's Night of Nights, the Golden Guitars, where he is nominated for three categories. In this episode, we dig into Adam's top five Adam Harvey songs. I uh, sent him a message and and asked him if he could share with us his favourite songs. And from that, we get into all sorts of stories from the road, from writing the songs, songs that were meant for other American recording artists and ended up being with him. And lastly, he shares the story behind his latest song, which he wrote about his late father. It's a wonderful episode. We're so thrilled to be able to share it with you. And of course, if you want to get a direct link to the songs that we talk about, you know where to go. The show notes. But that's all from me. Welcome to Adam Harvey on Ramble City. My name is Bradley McCaw. Let's get to the chat. Welcome to Ramble City. Well, it's such a thrill and a pleasure. Um, Adam Harvey is here at Ramble City. This is something I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. Thank you so much for being here, mate.
2: Ah, oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, congratulations too. I hear the podcast is doing really well, so it's uh, it's good to. I think it's exciting sometimes to try new things and sort of uh, maybe get out of your comfort zone a little bit and try something different. Well,
1: it's funny that you mention that because when I you know sometimes pitch this idea of what we're doing today, sometimes it can feel. Look, what we're doing is we're doing. Uh, I've asked Adam to do his top five songs. About himself, his favorite top five Adam Harvey songs. And sometimes it can feel a slight bit narcissistic, doesn't it? It's like, Mm. these are the five songs that show how great I am. But I don't think that's it. I think it's more, (laughs) you don't get to sort of, sometimes everyone's got an opinion about your songs. Everyone's got an Mm. opinion about what you do. And everyone's got the songs that they played at their wedding and that they heard you when they were driving in a car for the first time in a ute and they listened to it and they go, this means, you know, this to me. But sometimes it's nice to hear from, from you, the guy that's singing it, from your records, your songs, your perspective, what songs you cherish and the ones that mean something to you. So that's why we're here today.
2: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because over the years I've, I've learned that um, music and memories are very, very closely connected. Uh, related or connected and it's amazing how um, a song can trigger a memory or you know because we celebrate all of our events in life the good times the happy times the sad times you know and it's all associated with music and um, it's amazing how music can trigger a memory but and yet once again a memory can also trigger a particular song that's related to that same uh, memory as well it's it's really quite powerful when you think about it with music you know it helps us get through the worst of times and celebrate the best times and you know I know myself I can be listening to a, a song will come on the radio and it might take me back to when i you know th- first kissed a girl or you know <laughs> yeah. it might or it might take me back to my wedding day or you know all of a sudden I'll hear a song and it'll remind me of my dad or you know something like that and then it's the same when i go to a particular place when i'm on the road and I'm traveling and I'll, I'll pull up and stop somewhere and I'll, all of a sudden there'll be a particular song I'll remember. Oh, wow, I was here the first time I ever heard that song. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's quite powerful and uh, quite, quite amazing how closely related they both are, memories and music.
1: And I think this is what we're going to sort of be experimenting today with hearing the five songs that you've picked that we're going to talk through about what memories they hold to you, why they're kind of special songs for you, what it is about them. Um, We're going to step through it chronologically. I thought that might be a cool way to do it. Um, We're going to listen to a little bit for the people um, listening in podcast form. So if you're looking at the YouTube video, you can go and hear them. Uh, via wherever you get your podcast, but let's kick off with uh, with the first one. Let's hear a bit first, and then we'll talk about it. This is number five. All right. Now I don't know how much we can listen to uh, copyright reasons. I just want to listen to all all sort of three and a half minutes of it. But uh, the first yes. songs you picked here so are uh, from your fourth album, Working Overtime. So what's this first one, Adam?
2: Uh, yeah, that one was called "The House That Jack Built," and I guess that was the song that um, uh, really. Helped sort of establish, uh, you know, my career back in the early days. Um, People fell in was, love
1: with you. It's okay, we can say that, it. They uh, uh, heard that this was, and that that was the song.
2: Ooh. That was the song. I remember in the studio recording that song, and uh, I just, you know, I looked at the producer, and he looked, and we just knew that it was going to go really well. Um, and yeah, it was so exciting at the time. And people often say, Oh, do you get sick of singing those same old songs? And I think and I say, No, nah, never, because if it wasn't for those songs, I wouldn't be able to do what I love for a living, you know, twenty five yeah. years later. Um, the song was originally meant for Alan Jackson.
1: Was it and, really? Uh,
2: a couple of good oh, wow. friends of mine wrote it. Yeah, Billy uh, Yates and uh, Jerry Sally uh, wrote the song. They're great songwriters, American songwriters, and uh, they, they've had a lot of hits with uh, big country music singers in the States. But they wrote the song, and Alan Jackson put the song on hold. Um, for those of you out there that aren't quite sure what that means, when when a, a big artist or in Nashville is about to go and record an album, they put particular songs on hold, which means that they're going to record them. It also means that other, Um, no other artist can potentially take those songs and record them themselves it's kind of like it's all mine they're all mine (laughs) and so that's what
1: happens happens. so anyway
2: alan jackson's in the studio recording and all of a sudden uh, another guy jim mcbride comes in with a song called the chattahoochee and alan jackson says you know what Forget about the house that Jack built. I'm going to record the Chattahoochee. And so uh, I rang uh, Jerry Sally, who's a great mate of mine. I said, Look, I know you're devastated because Alan's knocked the song back, but I said, Would you mind if I record it? He said, Yeah, sure, go ahead, you know, record it. And uh, I think, yeah, looking back now, I think Jerry Sally would have earned about $20 million if. Alan Jackson had a recording, (laughs) and I think he earned about $20 from my my version in royalties, but I still love this song and it... um it was, a, it was that moment where uh, at the Golden Guitar Awards, um, I think, you know, I, I, had, I won a few awards that night and it was really that moment where, okay, wow, the, you know, it, it became reality um, thanks to that song that, oh, okay, I'm going to be able to actually do this for a living. This is going to be my career, you know, and it was a, a really big, big moment and I'll never forget how exciting it was.
1: That's amazing. That's such an incredible story. Yeah, because it was your fourth. It was your fourth record, and it's it's funny. Uh, before we go to listen to this next song, just a quick sidestep. There really is that moment, isn't there, in the studio when you you're sitting there and you're listening back, and you know you've pieced everything together because you know you start with just. Uh, you know, a guitar and a voice, and then you know you might record the the rhythm section, and the song is unfolding in front of your eyes, piece by piece. You know, a lot of people and fans of music may not understand how that sort of comes together, and then you're sitting there in the control room, it's playing through the speakers, and you're sort of looking at each other, going, "Wow, this is this is I think is, we're
2: I think we're onto something."
1: Yeah, incredible, isn't it?
2: It is. It really is, you know. And the the I did two albums originally that were just independent albums that I just did myself, which I'm I'm still, you know. Whenever someone says, "Oh, I've got a copy of that album," I go off for God's sake, throw it out, <laughs> burn it, please. And then uh, and then I did a, I got signed to Warner Music, and I recorded an album uh, with Joe Camilleri and the Boys Out of the Black Sorrows down in Melbourne, and um and I recorded that, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I think I had the shortest record deal in history with Warner Music. That one, that album didn't go gold or platinum, but I think it actually went crayon. And, <laughs> uh, and so Warner Music said, see you later, son. You've had your shot in the music game. You only get one chance. That's You've it. had your chance. You'll and never you be it. anything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Go back to your day job. And then all of a sudden I got that second chance with uh, with that song, The House That Jack Built. And, uh, and back then I think it was ABC Music that signed me up. So, yeah, I was very lucky I got a second chance.
1: Let's hear another song from that record. This is uh, number four. This is The Shake of a Hand.
0: Mm -hmm. Today Granddad came by the office Amazed at all the papers that I signed I told him that's how we do business just a product of these modern times.
1: So, uh, a song really about values. Um, it's, you know, a story song, isn't it, Adam? It sort of te- talks through It's It's a song for me that you listen to it, and by the end of it, you want to be a better person. It sort of sits you down and sort of says, This is the type of guy you want to be, right? And by the end, you're sort of like, <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do want to be a better guy, you know. Is this, <laughs> is this kind of what you were you, – were you sublim- yeah, subliminally yeah. starting a cult or something when you – It was
2: – you know, it's funny because the Harvey men in, in my life have um, – you know, my dad, my granddad and all that, they were never – very affectionate men. um They were big, strong, burly fellas you know. Yeah. And you never, you never sort of hugged each other, or never said "I love you" or anything. But it was always about the, the handshake, you know. When you caught up with them, you gave them that handshake. And I was taught from a very early age to, you know, grab someone's hand and shake their hand and look them in the eye. And yeah. and uh, you know, if you make a deal with someone and you shake hands on it, you've got to follow through with it. It doesn't matter, you know, what happens or whether you're on the raw end of the deal or not. You know that that's. That's more important than signing contracts and everything. Once you shake on something, that's it, it's binding. Um, And I was raised that way as a kid. And so um, I just saw how uh, times were changing and, and as you know, everything changes. But um, I I wanted to write a song about that. Um, And, you know, John Williamson told me many years ago, he said, never be frightened to write about something that you think is only – a, a, a bit about you it only affects you or your family or whatever because he said when you write a song from that real personal um point of view it, it comes across so genuine and other people all go through the same highs and lows in life and and other people listen to that song and go oh my god that that's my dad or yeah. oh my god that reminds me of my granddad and uh it's it's been over the years it's been really touching the amount of people that have come up to me and said oh you know we played that song at at granddad's funeral or you know whenever I hear that I still think of my dad he's no longer here but that song you know reminds me of the the special bond that we had and that's Mm. I think that's one of the greatest compliments you can ever get as a songwriter you know you write a song about you and your own family or your relationship with your father or your grandfather and it can mean so so much to so many other people it's a beautiful
1: thing. Yeah, that specificity makes mm. it like you think that being so specific is like, well, no one will get it because no, no. you know, it's it's a it's about my feelings, no one else knows. No one yeah. and everyone's like i got a dad, man, and this is like, this has just yeah. knocked me over for six.
0: <laughs>
1: when that's I, when, true. Yeah, yeah, Some
2: songwriters fall into the trap of, well, we've got to try and be as generic as we possibly can. We've got to appeal to as big yeah. an audience as we can <laughs> yeah. with this song. But, you know, if you actually write a very close personal song about an experience that you've had, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, there are people out there that will really connect with that. And I think that's probably one of the secrets I've found, especially with country music.
1: Yeah. Well, a hun- uh, half a million records don't lie. I believe as you've uh, as you've <laughs> sold over the years. So I guess you're onto something, mate. Uh, let's take a let's let's take a quick break. We're gonna send you out, guys, with listening to uh to one of my favorites here. Let's uh, listen to this one. We'll be right back on Ramble City. Once we have a drink. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> I made a wish with the genie, but the genie was a meanie and he didn't make my wish come true. I was hoping he would make your memory go away, but I'm still thinking of you. And the genie in the bottom of the gym
1: If there's any song that makes me want to get drunk at 10 a.m. in the morning, my friend, this is it. If I ever needed, just if I was ever going to print a business card that I could just hand to people the night, the morning after a night, this, it would just have a button that plays this song. Yeah, see, <laughs> just,
2: get out of jail free card. It wasn't it really me. Is. It was the genie. <laughs> it wasn't it's, me. It's, it's funny. Yeah, I, I wrote the song with one of my best friends, who uh, uh, happens to be Kevin Bloody Wilson, and uh, we've written a lot of songs I, together. I
1: did not know that you guys wrote this together wow yeah we did
2: we're great mates and uh kev a lot of people probably don't know but kevin's really really big in uh in ireland and england and parts of europe and everything like he tours over there every year plays to massive crowds i'm talking like thousands of people every night yeah and um and kev said to me one time he said come with me. Come over to, let's go. Let's go to Ireland and England and that together. Come with me. And I said, what am I going to do? And he said, just come along and have fun. You know, he said, maybe we'll write a song or something, you know. And uh, yeah, it was great to go over there and and travel around Ireland. And and I remember uh, we were driving, I think it was driving through Tipperary on. Kevin had a tour bus over there and we're going through Tipperary. And Kev said, oh, do you want to write a song together? You know. And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, have you got any ideas? And I said, well, I've tried to write this song with about two or three other people and every time I tell them this next line, they always say that's the most stupid idea for a song (laughs) they've ever heard. So I said, get ready to shoot me down. Here we go. And uh, anyway, I said, the genie in the bottom of the Jim Beam bottle made me do what I didn't want to do. And Kev looked at me and said, that is Brilliant. So I think I just had to find someone with the same low IQ as mine <laughs> to appreciate the song idea. So I got a song, song for you. I got a song for you.
1: <laughs> let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. I don't know what Paul's on, but that's bloody rubbish.
2: Yeah, very true. There's a famous story about Willie Nelson too. When he uh, he wrote "On the Road Again," he wrote it on a on a you know napkin, so to speak, on the aeroplane and went back to the record executives and said, I've got the song for the for the movie, I've written it for you. And they had a look at it and the, and the record executive says, on the road again, I can't wait to get on the road again and I can't wait to get on the road again. So, you know, they thought he was crazy. But anyway, so, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: it's genius,
2: man! It's genius. I, I just
1: it. came up with it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's funny, isn't it? It's a funny old world. I wrote a song called "Who's Going to Smoke the Weed When yeah. Willie's Gone," which is a, another another. But that that genius. Can someone side, get
1: him that song, though? Sorry, can we just it, get can we get Willie to sing this song, please, on his next family record? Anyway, back to you. Enough, enough. Sideways. But,
2: uh, no, it's uh, well. Willie's heard the song and he loves it. So, oh, I, brilliant. Uh, I used uh, one of one of Willie's uh, musicians, uh, Mickey Raphael's, uh, his harmonica player has been forever. Yeah. And, and Mickey played harmonica on that particular track, Who's Going to Smoke the Weed When Willie's Gone? And he said, oh, I've got to play this to Willie Nelson. And anyway, I got an email from Mickey to say Willie absolutely loved it. So oh, wow. that was very cool. But, um, yeah, the genie in the bottle, it's funny because the record company said we're not putting that on this album. We are not. That song is dumb. It is you. You cannot put that on there. You know you're you're you you know not giving your audience enough credit for their intelligence. Blah 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 get blah. Around. And I said, wow. guys, you know what? I'm I'm the one out there playing to them every single night of the week yeah. on stage. I know what my crowd like, and they're gonna like that song. So I actually had to fight tooth and nail to get that song included on the album, and uh, finally got the song included. And uh, yeah, it's been probably one of my uh, you know most popular songs, and still to this day. As soon as you play it live, you know, the whole place goes mad. So the genie it, in the Jim Beam bottle,
1: mate. Yeah, here we go. I mean, it's not to be confused with uh, the Christina, Christina Aguilera song in 2009, Genie in the Bottle. I was half no, expecting that's... you'd picked that one for us to listen to <laughs> together.
2: No, not quite. I'm, no, I'm, I haven't. St- I don't <laughs> listen to a lot of Christine to no, be honest. It that surprises
1: honest. me. All right, let's, get, let's go to number four here. Let's have a listen to this one. Harvey's Backyard Bar from your Uh, 12th album.
2: Up goes the roller door.
0: When you hear George Jones in the distance And the planets, they all align When the roller door, she raises up Well, that's the open sign And the news, it spreads like wildfire You can feel it in the wind. It's time to get to Harvey's Bar and let the games begin.
1: So Harvey's Backyard Bar, as I said, your 12th album, 2015. Tell us how this project and this idea came about for this song and then why it's on this this list today.
2: Um, I, yeah, well, the whole idea was, uh, so my wife came up with this wonderful idea to, to convert our double garage into a bar. And uh, I ran with it and, uh, yeah, we got carried away and we've got this incredible bar uh, at our place. And it's pretty well known uh, around the place. And I've had so many people say, geez, I'd love to come and spend a night in that bar with you. Yeah, God, it looks right. Like you get up to some fun and games in there. <laughs> and so I thought, well, what about what about actually recording an album in, in the bar and we'll, you know, do some video clips and stuff and actually try and capture what what a night in Harvey's bar is like so that when people listen to that album they get to feel like they're almost there, you know, uh, and that was that was the the, the idea behind it. And uh, Harvey's Backyard Bar. I I was driving along one day, and I had uh, a young songwriter on the road with me called Luke O'Shea, a very talented songwriter. And we were driving along, and I think he was sitting in the back seat. I'm driving along, and said, oh, "I've got this idea. I'm going to write this." Harvey's Bar and he said oh what, what's so special about Harvey's Bar and I said oh mate like all the locals know as soon as they hear the music and the roller door goes up everyone knows to come on in and I said it's my it's my space it's my safe space it's where I go to relax and it's you know my little my little headquarters it's your cheers, it's, your yeah, cheers yeah, it's my basically. cheers exactly right yeah. and uh and you know I, I started telling him all about it and and what goes on and some of the characters in there you know uh, about Pete who loves to take his clothes off after he's had a for your drinks and uh, <laughs> how we solve the problems of the world. And and then I told him about how my wife, uh, you know, when she gives me the loving look, which is usually a, a death stare and a snarl, it's time for everyone to leave. Uh, anyway, so we arrived in the next town where we had the gig that night. And, uh, and when Luke got out of the car, he said, mate, I've written down on a piece of paper all of the of things you've just been talking about. Uh, About your bar. He said, I think you've basically got your song there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we looked through that and yeah, the song, there it was, you know, after me just telling this great story about everything that's so great about Harvey's bar and we still get a lot of requests for it at the shows. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, that album. I think we all had a few headaches too. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, just quietly.
1: Do you think, I'd love to sort of ask you here, just a quick segue before we go to number five. Yeah. About... You know, um, co writing. It seems to be a big part of your practice about finding the right writer that you're going to write with or kind of um, that process. And I'm, I'm sure you write a lot on your own as well. But, like, can you just speak to that a little bit in terms of how you frame that and how? Um, I think this is more, I guess, for songwriters listening. I know we have a lot of, you know, yeah. we've, got, we've got some yeah. people that just love music. We've got some, you know, but sometimes yeah. songwriters sort of say to me, can you ask some more questions, some more pointed questions? So have you got any advice, I guess, for songwriters or, or people that are looking to collaborate and, and what to look for or, or some signs or any tricks that have worked for you in the past?
2: Yeah, I, I can. I, I love talking about that because a lot of songwriters are very private and they don't want yeah. like to co-write, you know, and I know Casey's a great friend of mine, Casey Chambers. She She's very Private and personal when she writes her songs, um, whereas I love to co-write with other people. And and when I first started out, I couldn't bloody write my own name. I you know I was a hopeless songwriter, and I'm, I don't <laughs> think I'm much better now. But the point <laughs> is, what I thought I'd do was surround myself with really great songwriters. And and I every time you co-write with someone, you always learn something. Um, yeah. And and then the other thing I've learned through co-writing is, you've got to go in there with your ideas. You've got to know what you want to write about, what your project is about, what songs you're missing or what you need for your next album. Um, and it's it's no good sort of going in there. I've had people come around to my place, you know, songwriters that want to write songs and and they walk in and we sit down and I say, okay, what do you want to write about? And they say, oh, well, I, I don't know. And I say, well, what what's your next album about? What's you know, oh, I don't know. And like, it's just a it's a total waste. It's of like pulling time. teeth, so, isn't it? It's it just is just trying to sort is. of
1: draw ideas out of them, as opposed it to it is, being yeah. a, a bouncing, inspiring process. So, I guess. so
2: true, so true. So I always go to my writers and. What I find is particular writers are really good at writing specific styles of songs. Right. Um, And I learnt that from when I used to go over to Nashville and write songs because you only get genuinely, generally you only get one day with each writer. So, Mm. for example, I'll go and write a song with David Lee Murphy who writes all those big hits for Kenny Chesney and the big drinking songs and the party songs. That's his thing. So you, you aim your ideas, your party ideas add him. You walk in there on the day, he says, what have you got? Because he's not going to give you his ideas. He keeps them for Kenny Chesney and everyone else, (laughs) you know. What have you got? And I say, okay, I've got idea A, you know, I think it should be a party at the Harvey's or whatever. I've got idea B, you know, and okay, so all of a sudden, you're halfway there, yeah, and the then train I'll track go to Slade and yeah, the trains yeah.
1: heading off to the station. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. You know, and you're not wasting any time. Um, whereas I'll go to someone else like Jerry Sally who's written a lot of big hits for people like Reba McIntyre and people like that. And he loves his sentimental songs. That's his thing. He's a real sentimental fella. So I'll go and aim my really sentimental ballads, whether it's a love song or it's a shake of the hand or it's a something. I'll aim those ideas specifically at him because I know that's what he loves. Yeah, and so it really. It really makes the process so much easier when you you know what you want to write about, you know what your ideas are, and you pitch them to the right people. All of a sudden the process becomes so much easier and quicker.
1: Mm, Incredible. What a great great insight and thanks for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of people are sort of shaking their heads going, oh, wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) Let's take one more quick break while we uh, have a quick gym Beam or a beer real quick and uh, then we're going to continue on here. Uh, Go to song five, which is um, a bit of a special one uh, for Adam and thrilled to talk about it. We'll be right back. All righty, so number five. From your fifteenth album, let me let me just do this again. Your,
2: I see it old now. 15, no, no, I'm so sorry, going? mate.
1: I know it's like so sorry. Let me let me come. Let me let me do <laughs> no, a new no, intro here. Let not me not let not me do an intro. I'm here with uh, the very old and grey Adam Harvey. No. <laughs> um, no, 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 that's not no. Let me take one more pass it. Uh, I'm getting a call from your publicist. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like
2: that intro. Let's stick with that. So this oh.
1: song. Um, This is uh, another big year for you in terms of nominations. I mean, if we kept just a a list of them on the CV, it would be just too long to sort of go through. But you're up for three more this year. um, And this song, uh, you know, it says you've talked about that the song of the year nomination for the song we're about to talk about. Number five is kind of a special one for you. So do you want to introduce kind of this song and what it's about before we ever listen to it?
2: Yeah, sure. The song's called Lindeman again. Uh, my wife got very excited when I started writing it. She thought it was about Lindeman's wines. Uh, she's pretty <laughs> partial to a wine. But oh, no, we finally have sponsorship. Oh, I can feel <laughs> oh, no, it. I can no, feel no, it. No, 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 no. Uh, I can feel everything's filling up in the fridge. Yeah, this is it's, great. <laughs> it's actually about Lindeman Island where uh, my dad always said he spent the best years of his life up there working on the Whit Sundays. He worked on a beautiful big charter boat and uh, Johnny, Johnny Ebbets was a skipper and uh, dad worked for Johnny for a long time and he loved it up around the islands, delivering supplies and passengers to all of the islands. But Linderman was his favourite because uh, that's where he met my mum. She was a hairdresser up there and uh, they fell in love and ended up having us kids, my sister and I, and, and then moved down to uh, Victoria, down to Geelong um, for work. Um, dad got a job building a hospital down there. And so he always used to sit and reminisce about his time up there in the with Sundays, you know, and they were the best years of his life he always said that um and so i think deep down he would have loved us to move back up there but that never happened um but anyway yeah it was the strangest thing right before dad passed away with cancer uh he was uh, uh in the hospital bed there and he was really crook and and uh all of a sudden you know sometimes this happens where people just sort of all of a sudden sort of spring to life. He got a, you know, and he looked into the middle of the room and, and into into the middle of nowhere, you know, and uh, and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and my mum said, who is it, Les? And my dad, Les, said, it's Johnny. He's come to take me fishing. And anyway, that were the last words my dad ever said before he died. And uh, I'd, I'd wanted to write a song about that for quite a while um, and every time I sat down to write it I just turned into a blubbering mess. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and a couple of years later I, I thought what I have to do I have to I have to go up there I have to go to Mackay where the boat the, the same charter boat that dad worked on it's all been restored it's magnificent uh, called the Elizabeth V and uh, anyway through a good mate of mine Graham Connors um, we he knows the owners of this boat we went out on the boat and sailed out around the Whit sundays and uh, and wrote this song while we were out there on the very same boat that dad loved and worked on you know sailing out around lindaman Island so it's one of the most special things i've ever done les
0: well, would say the 60s were the golden year all his lucky stars fell into line he was young and strong and his spirit of adventure saw him living in the islands at I'm the time Heyman, happy bay and daydream but linderman was always known
1: nice. I can just see listening to the song, you know, it paints the picture, and in hearing the story of all that, it it's so touching, Adam. You know, it's a really oh, it's beautiful a, song, yeah, and it's lovely you know. to
2: write that, you know, a tribute to my dad and yeah. and my mum, you know, who's still with us. Mum's going really well, and she absolutely loves the song. And uh, mate, a, you know, I've had a lot of uh, you know nominations at the Country Music Awards over the years, and I've been lucky enough to win win a few of them too. But yeah, yeah I think. Song of the Year uh, for that particular song was probably one of the most special nominations I've ever had.
1: Well, you'll be hosting this year as well with Nicky Cole. Someone someone had a brain Uh, snap and decided
2: that would be a good (laughs) idea.
1: Well, I just want to know, uh, I guess, you know, um, hosting has been in the news quite a lot lately. Uh, I'm wondering, is it going to be Becky or you that sort of um, uh, gets the warmer cheek, I guess? And I guess I'm I'm looking forward to getting the text to say, mate, we need some ruthless jokes about people's hair and fashion. I've got you covered. Don't worry. Um, No, but thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing all these stories with us. It is such a treat. I'm such a huge, huge fan, um, obviously, and uh, just thrilled that you're you're part of, you know, Ramble City Story now, mate. So thank you so much. All the best, and everyone, go and uh, visit the um, the link down below this video to to go and find songs and and everything um, that's got to do with with the legend Adam Harvey. Thank you so much, mate. It's real. It's a real pleasure.
2: <laughs> oh no, thank you, mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck. Keep up the great work with the podcast. And uh, thanks for your time.
1: Well, that's it for us today at Ramble City. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Adam Harvey for sharing those stories with us and for, for giving us some insight into uh, just how much um, a man can love Jim Beam and beer. And I can tell you it makes sense why his music resonates with me so clearly. Um Moving right along. This episode has been brought to you by OFM. It's been created and hosted by me, Bradley McCaw. Sound is by Kana Stats. Video is edited by the great Caleb. Original sound design is by Matt and at Crosspoint Solutions. Video, original video design was by Adam Short at Axis Productions. And thank you to you listening. You can follow me at Bradley McCaw Official. Join my mailing list at BradleyMcCawOfficial.com. And of course, we will see you next week for another episode Of Ramble City. Stay safe, keep smiling, and we'll see you soon, everybody. Bye for now. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life, and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit OFM.com.